Hi everyone, you are now listening to our podcast for a while. We are just two Filipina 30-somethings now currently based elsewhere in the world, trying to find our way and figuring out what that means for us. Our podcast is where we take a little break to regroup, share what we've learned, and find new ways to move forward. I'm Kirsty. And I'm Andrea. And if you hear something that resonates, we'd love for you to let us know. In this episode, we introduce ourselves, let you in on why we decided to start a podcast, share what we've been up to in lockdown, and talk about our experiences living across the world from each other in a pandemic. So... Yeah, Kirsty, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I know, it's our first podcast episode. Yeah. Excited. And how long have we been talking about this? I feel like it's been over a year since we've initially yeah, wanted definitely. to do this. Probably longer than that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, a really, really long time. I think that we finally have time now. <laughs> yeah. With being home so much. Um mm. You were traveling a lot as well. That's true. I'm I'm now based in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And you are based where? In the UK. Yeah. Which part? So I am normally based in Manchester. Mm-hmm. But I have recently, in lockdown, just moved for the time being to South Wales, in Wales. Mm-hmm. Just because it's nice to get out of the city, really. Yeah. Living in the city center during a lockdown has not been very good as far as having no outdoor space at all and being stuck in like a one bedroom flat for months hasn't been very mm-hmm. nice. So it's been nice to be out in a more rural area. That sounds wonderful, actually. Yeah, so I am doing a PhD at the moment in material science, and I study steels specifically. I am doing my PhD at the University of Manchester in the UK. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Previously, I worked at an engineering consultancy where I was doing a lot of physics type work, safety case type work for the nuclear industry, the civil nuclear industry in the UK. So that's power plants. And the work I'm doing at the moment is related to that, but specifically looking at materials and steel in particular. It sounds really boring when I tell people it, it sounds really boring, but it is quite interesting. Yeah. It's been hard to do any real sort of work for it at the moment in terms Mm of lab stuff and experiments because obviously I can't be in the lab. We're still all working from home. But I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that in the next three weeks, maybe so mid-August, I might be able to go back in the lab. Although it'll only be like a fraction of the time that I spent in the lab previously. I think it's going to be like a max six days a month I'll be able to be in the lab maximum so it'll be (laughs) a lot less than previously but fingers crossed I'll manage to be very very productive in that time and get lots of work done so Mm -hmm. yeah that's that yeah how about you Andrea yeah (laughs) I think you're starting to take on a Wales accent why Welsh when you said how about you Andrea that actually oh. reminded me of Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> but he's not Welsh, is he? He's he's not? No. He is. No. He's <laughs> not. Wait. This is so funny. Is Pierce Brosnan Welsh? He's a, it says he's American Irish. 
Oh, Oyer-ish. what? He's Irish. This is so weird. <laughs> mm. You know okay. who is Welsh, though? Catherine Zeta-Jones? Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins? Oh, I didn't know that. Tom Jones? <laughs> I, I would never have guessed. It's not unusual. <laughs> so yeah. funny. Who I wish I could include that in the podcast. No. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So I've been here in Singapore since since late March of this year. Before that, I was in Hong Kong for about six months. And then before that, I was in the U.S. for a year. I moved there after getting married. So I was living in Des Moines, Iowa for a year. And because I moved there from the Philippines and because of visa restrictions, I as a dependent couldn't work actually in the U.S. So... Mm. I did a lot of trying things and throwing things on the wall and seeing what sticks, but nothing. And now, like, of course, I'm looking for a job in Singapore now that I'm allowed to work full time here again. But COVID, I'm actually not sure that's going to happen anytime soon. So I'm really trying to keep myself busy. So mm-hmm. I'm doing yoga teacher training and then I built that directory. And then now I'm doing the podcasts and I'm just trying to keep myself busy mm-hmm. and trying to do everything I, I, I should do that the lockdown bucket list. So people are making Basque cheesecakes and sushi <laughs> bakes in the Philippines. And here I've seen a proliferation of online businesses as well. People baking on Instagram and it's been really fun and they sell out quite quickly. Yeah. So I have a question, Christy. Yeah. Why did you want to start a podcast? Oh, okay. Well, one, I love podcasts. I really do. The first memory of listening to a podcast was in 2007 or 2008. Mm -hmm. And the first podcast I ever listened to was the Ricky Gervais show. It's hilarious. I recommend it to everyone. Yeah, that was the first podcast I ever really listened to and it was amazing like I would listen to it all the time on the bus when I was walking from my where I live to university like I because w- I would have like a 30 minute walk and I would just listen to the podcast all the time like I remember sitting in a bus and laughing like you know where you're like biting the inside of your cheek trying not to laugh mm-hmm. yeah. um, so I've always I've really enjoyed podcasts for years and years and years mm. So podcasting has always been something that has been a like a little thought in my head, I guess, of, mm-hmm. oh, I'd love to do this as well. I think it'd be really nice. And then, two, I think that one of the things that has stopped me personally from starting one is because I didn't really want to do one on my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you for asking me to do the podcast with you. Yeah, because I think that well for me I think a lot of people do it really really well but for me I think me podcasting on my own be I I just don't know what I would do for Mm -hmm. a podcast if I was on my own Mm -hmm. whereas I know you like podcasts too and then you know we talk about it and I feel like when we talk in our own time you know just as friends (laughs) Mm-hmm. We talk about a load of stuff where I sometimes feel like, oh, this would be an awesome podcast episode mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. would learn a lot or 
would be entertained by what we're talking about. So yeah, definitely. And then we've we've somehow found ourselves now. We've been talking about it for a while. Found ourselves now, like in a period of in our lives and yeah. <laughs> this year, just having being at home. Just having a little bit more time, even though, like you said, we're doing more stuff. I think, I think the fact that we don't have to be anywhere really, like in another location. Like I don't have to travel to go to work. Yeah, that cuts out a lot of getting ready time, traveling time, traveling home time, being tired time. Do you know what I mean? Yes. There's all of that time and energy that can go to something else. Mm. Yeah, and it was just a really good time now to do it and I think we've also now learned from a lot of other podcasts because I know we both listen to a lot of podcasts at the moment and you learn how oh other people do it this way or that way and you think oh this is how I would like to do it and yeah is that the same for you like what do you think I think for me I feel like doing this podcast is a form of therapy yeah and I oh I'm glad you feel the same way (laughs) go on I think it's a way for me to like find my voice because I haven't actually really been that creative in a while I haven't really been active in expressing myself in any form Mm -hmm. aside from those random Instagram posts but you know they don't really say anything it's just like it's just life updates really so I wanted to take that opportunity to try to find my voice and I think the podcast was a great opportunity and a great way for us to learn about new topics together and especially Mm -hmm. we're kind of at a similar stage in life being that we're the same age we're both living outside of the Philippines and it's nice to you know really deliberately sit down and talk about okay what's it like over there compared to what it's like over here and Mm. and learn from learn from you that way i i completely agree and i think that you touched on something there as well that i think that 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 i didn't mention where i think we've both as well being in very similar places in our lives have gone through a period of time where i feel like at least for me, where I felt like I was on the struggle bus for a while. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just on in how I felt about life, I guess, or my career or myself, where I just, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing. And the sort of quarter life crisis type thing. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot to share about that. Yeah, it's nice to really allocate the space to discuss that and just be really candid about that because there's so many things we want to discuss but we don't really get a chance to and when you say, you know, when you say struggle bus or even like, you know, there are a lot of things that we thought we would figure out by now but we still haven't. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have a space where we can be candid about that and say, okay, let's figure this out together. What's that about? it's a good safe space for us and like with a podcast i'm just hoping that you know maybe we're not alone in what we're going through and we can find some sort of community there hopefully yeah because we do speak to other people right like other friends and Mm -hmm. talk about all of that and they do express that they can relate Mm -hmm. um and i think that often we don't think that other people can (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
until you you do share and realize that hey like it's not just me yeah um which is comforting even if you don't necessarily know the answer or you and this other person both don't know what to do going forward really at least you know you're not alone and that does count for a lot Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm hoping you know this will be a great way to start conversations and hear more from other people really because i think what we're doing is really just a starting point i agree Mm -hmm. i'd love to have guests and stuff going forward as well yeah um whether they're experts or friends or or we could have expert friends as well (laughs) that's true But I think you're an expert as well, right? Like, weren't you featured in... Was it Pinay Scientists? Oh, yeah, yeah. What was that experience like? It was good. It was really, really good. I really enjoyed it, I think. This is a page that was started by Cami Navarro. Mm-hmm. And she started a page on Instagram and on Facebook called Pinoy Scientists. And it yeah. features Pinoy Scientists. Um, that's you from the Philippines and all over the world and every week a different Pinoy scientist takes over the page Mm -hmm. and from Sunday to Saturday I think it is or was it Monday to Saturday Mm -hmm. they take over the page and just share stuff about the work they're doing who they are you know they welcome questions they answer questions all of that stuff So it's been really, really nice to see other Pinoy scientists because I don't think that's something that's very visible Mm -hmm. in the Philippines. Yeah, I feel like the support in the community is more outside where you really have the... I mean, I could be wrong, but like I do sense that, you know, the talent is going outside of the country. Yeah, I think there's an issue there with funding for example research funding right um because it's it's really hard to fund research out of your own pocket like it costs a lot of money Mm -hmm. um to carry out some of the research Mm -hmm. um that people carry out and you need institutions as well right to be able yeah. to carry that out, you can't just have a lab in your home. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't have your everyday classroom or everyday lab turn into, like, a research lab. It doesn't really work. So you would need, obviously, a setting as well that you can carry out all these experiments and have the equipment that you need to do your work. And there there, there definitely are places in the Philippines that can do that. But there, mm-hmm. I think there is a shortage in general of... Mm-hmm positions and opportunities so i think people do look further afield as far as looking you know looking abroad to to get those opportunities and do that work Mm -hmm. but yeah no that was really that was really really cool our podcast is called for a while and you might be wondering why this is what we've called it um so andrea do you want to share a little bit about that yeah, I think it's mostly because our top choices have been taken. <laughs> <laughs> but we like how for a while is basically just acknowledging how we're taking a break from daily life to discuss what's been going on with ourselves. And it's also a nod to Filipino culture because when you talk to someone on the phone, when you call them up 
or when you're looking for somebody and the other person on the line says for a while and it also dates us a little bit because i'm sure telephones don't exist anymore (laughs) yeah um in ordinary households yeah whenever i think of for a while as well i always get reminded of that do you remember that rex navarrete I joke. remember him, but I don't actually remember that he did the a story. Bit. Yeah, so he did this whole skit about for a while, about how for a while doesn't really mean anything, which is true. It's it doesn't true. mean wait a minute. <laughs> like it, that doesn't. That's not what people. That's not. That's not what it means, right? But yeah, it's very much a Pinoy thing where you know when you ask someone to wait, wait a minute, you say for a while. Uh-huh. Like if you know, you know. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, that's why that hasn't been taken. I think we're the first for a while podcast out there. Yeah. I haven't seen one for for a while, actually. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So we do hope that you spend some time with us for a while. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's practically a pickup line. Yeah. Christy. <laughs> um, listen to our episodes, our podcasts, and for a you while. find something. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> Yeah, so we, we we do hope that you find this podcast both entertaining and a place where you feel like you find something you can relate to. Yeah. And maybe learn some things if you're looking for that as well, like just from our own experiences. Because I think we've individually learned stuff in our own lives through the stuff we've been through. Mm-hmm. Whether that's just general life, general adulting, or career and work, or relationships and stuff. So, yeah, for yeah. a while. <laughs> what have you been doing on the weekends? Have you been going hiking a lot? Yeah, we've been going on walks. We've been going on a walk every day, really, because you know how um, it's summertime now, it's August. Mm-hmm. So, it the sun doesn't set until really quite late so at like five o'clock six o'clock we go for a short walk like just for an hour or something Mm -hmm. yeah so that's been really really nice because that's not something I was able to do really in Manchester just because if when I step out of my apartment it's the city center so it's just there's a lot of people and I just don't feel at the moment all that comfortable in crowds yeah that makes (laughs) understandably I think yeah you mentioned though that you just went back to the office recently so i'm just confused about the timeline uh so so when lockdown started everything shut my computer screens all of that stuff i wasn't able to take that out of the office before lockdown um so we had to book in time slots um for when we wanted to go into the office and pick up our stuff but that was three months after lockdown four months after lockdown yeah after lockdown started so yeah I had a 30 minute window where I could go in and grab my stuff and I I was already down here in South Wales so I went up to I drove up to Manchester to just for that 30 minute window and I I I have now my computer screens you know my my laptop dock and my keyboard and all of that stuff that is useful for homeworking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's so it's so it's been nicer recently working from home because of that. Yeah, and you have but, a lot more space yeah. where you are. I'm assuming. Definitely a lot more space, oh, which is nice, which is good. But how has Singapore been? I know you've had you've had to move 
during lockdown. Yes, it's funny that you mentioned that because <laughs> <laughs> there's a funny story attached to that. We were due to move actually on the 25th of March, and that's about when all the cases have been ramping up and uh, globally the pandemic had been escalating. And so Singapore was on high alert at that time. Every day, their conditions for travel had been changing. So with my husband, who was scheduled to move here on the 25th of March, all of a sudden, on the 18th, his company calls him and says, oh, maybe you should think about moving here earlier because on the 20th of March, Singapore is essentially going to be a lot more strict with people flying in. So people who fly in after midnight on the 20th of March have to go through a 14-day stay-home notice, which basically means you can't leave your own, um, in our case, it would be a, your own hotel room. So we basically had two days to pack up all our things. We had to basically already buy our airplane tickets um, even before we got approval from the company to travel because all the travel was under the permission or approval of the COO because of the pandemic. So of course the company was taking its own precautions. And then we had to send stuff back to the Philippines, pack them all up in one day. But then, you know, we were able to get our tickets, get our approvals, get our things packed within a day. And then when we had to fly out, we actually thought, you know, we were home free already. Um, we were going to make the deadline. We we're even worrying about beating the midnight deadline because our plane was due to arrive in Singapore two hours before that new rule would take effect. Mm. And then what happened was that when we were already at the check-in counter in Hong Kong, uh, waiting for a flight, our check-in lady was basically, oh, I don't think you're allowed to fly in, you know, because Singapore has all these rules. So they basically had to call the Ministry of Manpower in Singapore, or I think the airport there um, that allows all the travel into Singapore. And basically they had to recheck our passports because they assumed that for Chinese nationals traveling to Singapore, it wasn't allowed. So they automatically assumed that because we were from the Philippines, it would be the same rules or something like that. And then we had to stay there and check in waiting for them to call and waiting for them to get feedback from Singapore. We stayed there for like two hours. So we were like really at the seat of our pants waiting for an approval or just helping to clarify that actually we're allowed to fly into Singapore. So we got that sorted out. It was a very nerve-wracking afternoon and it was a good thing that we tried to check in really early. And then, yeah, we made it work. We arrived like two hours before midnight. And then we were able to beat the deadline. We didn't have to stay in stuck in our hotel room for 14 days after all. And the way that stay-home notice worked in Singapore is that they're quite strict. You can't leave your hotel room or you can't leave your apartment. If nobody's allowed to visit you, nobody's allowed to bring anything inside. Like when you order food, they're only allowed to leave it at the door or you're not allowed any housekeeping so you're basically really just isolated for 14 days and they're very strict here too because if you're caught violating stay home notice and if you're a foreigner like there have been several foreigners who were sent home and have had their employment passes revoked because they've basically been flouting the rules here yeah i think 
Singapore definitely has been one of those countries that have been praised for their handling. They've apparently done a, a really good job with contact tracing and keeping their numbers down. Well, it's hard to say that now because a majority of blue-collar workers here, like construction workers, migrant workers, stay in dorms. And mm. those dorms are very closely packed together. There can be as many as 12 people sharing one dorm room. And COVID has basically been spreading their like, wildfire. And it's really compelled the government to reevaluate how they accommodate migrant workers here so we've had about like 100 to 200 new cases a day and somehow it's being contained but in Singapore I feel like yes there's been that initial praise but then now as we're trying to adapt here some people are saying you know Singapore should have been a lot stricter about having the masks because uh, Singapore wasn't was basically telling its people, okay, you need to calm down. It's okay. You don't need to wear masks yet. But then, as it got worse, that's when Singapore said, okay, everybody should start wearing masks. And then they gave out masks to all residents. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, since coming from Manchester and then to the to South Wales, like, are the rules markedly different? And mm-hmm. if since you came from the UK. Europe has been lauded by people in the United States for handling the lockdown really well, for basically focusing on herd immunity instead of all these strict rules about being able to go out or not. How has it been for you adjusting there? And do you think that it's being handled well? Okay, so the first question about the rules. So the rules are different because in the UK, they have like devolved government. So You have England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. But Scotland and Wales do have their own sort of local governments that set their own rules for the individual nations. So the rules in Scotland and Wales are different to in England. Mm -hmm. And the rules in Scotland and Wales, and I think Wales in particular, have been in general stricter than it has been in England. So in Wales, for example, there was a period when one of the rules was you can't travel farther than five miles. You have to stay within a five mile radius of your home. You can't travel any further. You can't see other households. You stick to your own household all the shops closed, everything closed, except for the essentials. So supermarkets, pharmacies, things like that. Mm-hmm. Restaurants did stay open, actually, except that you could you could not go in and you couldn't dine in. So you could get like a food delivery, for example. Mm-hmm. But it, it has been varied, the levels of like strictness. <laughs> or implementation. Yeah, apparently... One of the things that people did worry about was, for example, people from England traveling into Wales and then potentially bringing the virus with them and infecting like a countryside village, for example, where Mm. it might be a little bit harder for them to get access to 
a hospital for example or it's like an older population so i think they were very very conscious about trying to protect people really and you know in general there's older people for example a lot of older people here were told to stay home just stay home Mm -hmm. but i know that you mentioned that you know compared to the u.s for example which i think there's a an issue a large issue there as far as leadership goes um which which is a whole a whole podcast episode in itself I think or several um but there's a whole issue there um but I think at the beginning of lockdown here what was very clear and obvious and something that everyone was very on board on was the fact that everyone was quite worried about overloading the NHS and the NHS is the UK's National Health Service. Right. So there's a, you know, there's a healthcare system here where your healthcare is free. So you can go to any hospital and well, any sort of government hospital and any hospital that's on the NHS, like it's not a private hospital and you will be seen and it's free. Your healthcare is free. And the issue, the thing that people feared the most was that the NHS would just be completely overrun, that they were, they'd run out of beds, they'd run out of people, you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And apparently that hasn't happened, thankfully, because at the beginning of lockdown, they just said, everyone, you know, everyone stay home if you have... um something or you have symptoms that isn't an emergency don't come to the hospital like ring this number and you can speak to like a healthcare professional there mm-hmm. but don't come to the hospital because we'll, we're 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 focusing on like covid related cases mm-hmm. um and i think that was good there is a whole other discussion on kind of side effects of that being done for example apparently potentially there are higher cases of people with diseases or conditions that have gone undiagnosed yeah Yeah. because people don't want to go to the hospital um at the moment because they're scared that they'll catch something at the hospital right so yeah i think that's a whole other issue but at the beginning of lockdown, I remember that first week where they locked everything down here. I remember watching the press conference from Downing Street where the prime minister was there and like the chief medical officer, the chief scientist, and they were talking about cases and projections and stuff. And they mentioned that their modeling showed that if we had 20,000 deaths at the end of this then that would be a good outcome and and i remember watching that and being like 20,000 that's so many mm-hmm. but we're at like 47,000 now deaths yeah that's crazy yeah 47,000 i think it's 47,000 definitely when i checked yesterday it was over 46,000 it was like 46,600 something um yeah, it's about 47,000. That's quite hard to believe. Yeah, and it's it's hit, obviously, the elderly most, apparently. Large numbers of people.
people who have died sadly have been residents in like care homes and like you know retirement retirement homes Mm. those sort of facilities where they are older and there's been you know local outbreaks there so it's really quite sad I don't know (laughs) it's um I don't know 2020 has been a a crazy year and it's only it's only August well it's already August because we're like two months beyond the first half of the so yeah we're hitting the burr months yeah it's almost almost christmas i know if we're in the philippines we'll be starting with the christmas songs next month yeah i don't know if people are even gonna do that to be honest well Um, i don't know who's shopping Uh, yeah who's going to the malls the malls are the main um culprit for christmas songs I know. Yeah, so now I had to look up the number of COVID deaths in the US, mm-hmm. which is 157,000, which is wild. Oh, when you look at the number of deaths like all over, it's hard to it's hard to fathom to be honest. Like Mexico is 47,000. Peru is about 20,000. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And it's uh... And in the Philippines, it's just 2,000. Wow, we have an excellent healthcare system. And you mentioned... <laughs> and yeah, the Philippines is actually one of the worst hit with a pandemic in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And you mentioned healthcare and not overloading the healthcare system because I don't know if you heard what Senator Cynthia Villar said about healthcare workers. Yeah, I did Philippines. see that. I, yeah. I was offended for all the people we know who are healthcare workers and we do know a lot of people who are healthcare workers yeah and like we know them really well right yeah (laughs) um we we know how hard they work and like like they literally put their own lives on the line (sighs) i don't know i don't i just feel so not insensitive what's another word it just feels Mm. so tone deaf as if they can't, it's, it just, it seems like, you know how sometimes when someone talks and it's as if they can't hear themselves when they're talking? talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you know what you sound like? Maybe, maybe this, it's, it's almost you want to come back to them and say, do you want to try again? <laughs> it's like a lack, a lack of empathy and sympathy. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you can't really, I feel like. Yes, they're that way. And also, I feel like, yes, they were treated that way. Yeah. Growing up. So it's all they know. It's like, it's hard to expect something else out of them. It's all their... It's it's the conditioning, it's the programming. Yeah. You know, people who are like, oh, I've had... For instance, in school or in university or in their training or in their jobs when they've had like a tough time, a really challenging time and a really sort of crap time, they Mm -hmm. feel like that sort of is a rite of passage and because they've gone through it, everyone else has to go through it. Otherwise, it's not fair. But I don't think that that's necessary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't see the need for something to... I don't see the need to make something unnecessarily hard if it can be easier that's true just for the sake of it 
it doesn't make any sense to me. People see it as good training or it's part and parcel of whatever it is you sign up for. But I feel like it's also really dumb almost Mm -hmm. to continue doing something the hard way when there's clearly an easier way to do it. It just seems, it just, it does not seem, it doesn't seem logical. Yeah. I mean, I totally get that because, of course, you're all for efficiency, right? It's all about results. It's not about how you get there. Then something that I started hearing a lot more recently is that, you know, if it's hard, hard that it means it's worthwhile or if it's worthwhile, it it means it has to be hard. And because for me, like, I'm all about efficiency. I'm all about, you know, if it's like in terms of figuring out next steps what do i do next like i have the freedom to experiment and since i'm experimenting like if something's not clicking like i have the freedom to do something else but then if i'm stuck in that loop it's like maybe i i do have to stick to something but i think i'm digressing because this is more about you know what what we're doing with our lives and yeah you're talking about um you're talking about healthcare and not overloading the doctors (laughs) and making sure that of course you have to take care of the doctors because if if they're not okay then the people who are sick are not gonna get any better 100% agree 100% there's a thing here I don't know if they still do it I haven't heard it in a while but at the the beginning for a few months um every Thursday I think it was every Thursday at eight o'clock people would you know walk outside or or open their windows and they just like clap you clap for the yeah. nhs um every week they still do at that? eight o'clock no uh, i mean I, i'm in wales now and so far i haven't heard anything i, I, th- I think people mm-hmm. have started have stopped doing it now but you know it was really it was really nice obviously but then also we'd be like well all the doctors are in i mean all the healthcare prof- professionals are in the hospital they can't hear us <laughs> but i know that um there were loads of people as well like at hospitals and facilities who were outside those facilities mm. and clapping as well which is really nice and it's nice to show your appreciation obviously because they are literally saving lives but i read all of this stuff as well that just said thanks for your clapping but what would really be useful is you to not cut the funding for the NHS. Like that is... Or to stay home. Yeah. I think... That makes sense. Yeah, I think there's there's a little bit of... What's the word? Sort of like... Per- Being self-congratulatory. Yeah. Or- yeah, because I think a lot of people when they do things like that, oh, that's my good deed for today. I've clapped. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or it's it's a little... Yeah performative yeah but i mean i think i can't say a bad thing at all i wouldn't want to (laughs) about um people at the moment who are working in the health medical field because it's just hard i'm sure because i've heard stories of people that have been working in like covid wards and haven't seen their family for ages because they don't want to risk infecting their family Um, yeah and you know and in in the philippines in particular in cebu there are a lot of doctors who who succumbed to covid Mm. 
they catch the virus so it's actually very scary for them to do that and I'm not even sure if they're getting proper compensation for the risk that they're exposing themselves to yeah with this pandemic in particular because it's so it's such an exponentially aggressive virus yeah what were your learnings about the pandemic and the lockdown is that something you can share yeah i wrote an article about this because i write for the university Mm -hmm. but some of the things that i learned (laughs) was definitely first that i do actually really enjoy working from home and i knew that i knew that before before all of this which is one of the things why i enjoy the setup of what I do is when I'm not in the lab, I can work at my office or I can go home and work at home or I can work in cafes, which I do a lot or in the library. Um, so I have missed that. I really have missed that. That's something as well that I've learned. I've, I really miss cafes. I miss the library because I, I, I did do a lot of work there before. A lot of writing and mm-hmm. a lot of reading mm-hmm. because for me, I don't find open plan offices conducive to work and studies have shown actually that it is not a very conducive yeah setup or environment for working yeah i think covid is gonna bring about the return of cubicles yeah i I, i'm hoping that um beyond that it also makes it clear to managers or business owners that people can work from home you know because I think a lot of maybe more traditional people feel like they need to watch their employees you know like sort of Mm -hmm. be looking over their shoulder or to make sure that they're there nine to five nine to five or eight to five or whatever time time they need to be there and have they need to clock in before the time starts and they need to make sure they clock out and they need to add up all the hours they're there. But I think that this is showing that people can can do their work. You, you don't need to supervise mm-hmm. them like a little child. Mm-hmm. So I do hope that that continues, that flexible working at least continues as an option. Mm-hmm. Something as well, actually, that has been a good thing about lockdown is that our weekly meetings like I have weekly research group meetings and I have weekly meetings with my supervisor one-on-one but they've gone really really well and I think the main reason for that is simply because people are at home so they don't have a ton of other things they're doing outside of computer work so Mm -hmm. um, in the past it's hard to it's a lot more challenging to set a time to have a meeting with people because they might have other meetings somewhere or they're in the lab running stuff but now there's nothing else <laughs> there's nothing else they could be doing they're working on their laptop so it's been easy easier much easier to set up all these meetings and they've mm-hmm. been really really nice because I've I've learned a lot from other people within my research group who are further along in their research than I am and I've learned a lot about their work, which makes me learn um, learn about my work as well. So that's been nice. What else? I miss the lab. 
which has always been the favorite part about doing a PhD for me. Another thing I've learned is that I I'm not bad in the kitchen. <laughs> oh yeah, you used to tell me you hate cooking. <laughs> I do. I really don't. I have over the years learned a I have a small menu repertoire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a small I have a small number of dishes that I like and I can do pretty well and that is, you know, has that good enough balance of good stuff in there and it tastes good and it's easy to cook and it's straightforward. I think my issue is that I don't like being in the kitchen. Like it's it's annoying to me. <laughs> Um so tell me more. I don't know. I just don't like standing and waiting for things to cook. It's an I I I don't like it. So so I tend I lean towards dishes that are sort of stir-fry wok type that are really easy to just cook together and it's fast or mm. stuff that I can put like I can prep it, put it in the oven for like however long mm-hmm. and then take it out and it's done. So those are sort of the two types that I like. I don't like this cooking for three hours thing. I I can't do it. Mm. I'm not good at that at all. But yeah, so I've tried a few different things, new dishes, and they've turned out really really well. I've done a lot of baking. Have you oh. have you gone through? Have you managed to tick the boxes of lockdown bucket lists? The banana no. bread? No. Like I've I've done those before, but not during the not during the lockdown. No, like I I have to get I've been waffling on getting a weighing scale for the kitchen and like a torch for all the things that Oh wow. I'm planning to make, I guess. Yeah, I just got like I just got busy. I think with the lockdown I find myself doing a lot more things mm. compared to before, but then at the same time it's not like it's not anything different that I've been doing because having my particular life circumstances. I don't really have a job yet, but then I've been keeping busy so I've I've been doing the yoga teacher training. Unfortunately, instead of doing it in Bali like originally planned like it um, we ended up doing it online yeah and then I've been doing my own projects like so I recently launched this directory for small businesses which I hope people will populate because I I find it difficult to look for new businesses to support in the Philippines because everybody is just on Instagram and Facebook and it's quite hard to use those as search tools so a lot of the new businesses that you see are that you you end up supporting are really from word of mouth and I want to try to change that. And then of course we're doing the podcasts now. I guess that's what we're doing. That's the bucket list thing that we're ticking off because we're, so many people are starting podcasts also. Yeah, um, this season. I was just going to say that I did see your website and I've just pulled it up now and you have three times as many as I saw a few days ago. Thank you. Well, that's hardly anything right like i still have to keep going hmm. and promoting it and figuring out the secret sauce to to getting people to sign up that's that's the challenge at least now you know it's like the product is mostly built aside from you know some tweaks that i need to do 
but I need to figure out marketing, getting people to sign up because some people like, you know, because it's a new site, there's no attraction yet, then there's no reason for people to sign up, even though it's free. So I might end up putting in those business listings myself, uploading those business listings myself just to get traction. At least I have something to do instead of wallowing in anxiety and other <laughs> and other triggers. So why don't you mention what the website is? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so the website is pinoyhome.biz. So it's a discovery site for small businesses in the Philippines. So I hope people with small businesses, especially newly minted entrepreneurs who are forced to be resourceful during this period with COVID and the lockdown, they can upload their business listings and themselves um, more visible, especially outside of social media where it's quite difficult. Like if somebody knows your brand, they'll know how to reach you easily. But if somebody doesn't know your brand, but they're looking for a product that you sell, that's a bit more of a challenge to be found online if your only presence is on social media. So that's why I started that website. And is this for the whole of the Philippines? Yes, it's for the whole of the Philippines. And there's a map that you can pin yourself on to see if there are any businesses around you that perhaps deliver food within your area that's not a restaurant that's established or if they're starting out. So I really hope that people take to it and see the value in it. Yeah, definitely. It's sort of, especially in in lockdown, loads of people have started businesses that yes. may not be may not have an established following for example so it's nice to have this place where you can find them easily because a lot of businesses that do exist have also changed for example how they operate so yes it's or a lot of businesses have closed down sadly as well so it's nice to see like yes. an updated directory of of businesses you can support yeah, and for those businesses, especially if they don't particularly have any network or influencer friends, you know, a lot they actually have to spend a lot on marketing, especially in terms of at least sending their products over to an influencer for free and then hoping you get a review or a mention out of that. It's, I think, you know, it's it's free, it's there's no cost, so I'm hoping that people see the value there. Mm. It's like that, um, it reminds me of that meme that says something like, when you buy from a small business, an actual person does a little happy dance. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so it's sort of just saying that, I guess, to support small businesses, because there's, re- there's like this real person who is just pouring their heart and souls into their little business, which, which is what a lot of people are doing at the moment. I love yeah. it. I love it. It's so enterprising. I just love how enterprising Filipinos are in general. Um, they can come up with like so many ideas really quickly and mm. execute really quickly. Yeah. I love all the food stuff, you know, Yeah, which has been really helpful because, for example, my family in Cebu, they just haven't really gone to the supermarket all that much anymore so like Mm -hmm. my mother buys her fresh produce online and it gets delivered to the house and then you pay when it arrives as well as things like meats 
um, yeah, get sent that way as well. So yeah, it's really good. It's nice. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of For a While. Check out the next episode for part two of this conversation. See you there.